we know of right now four states, people coming from four different states to be there. And of course, Gwen um, and Gwenda live in Wales, so they're hopping on a plane and they're gonna fly 4,200 miles to be with you. That's a, that's a lot of flying. If it matters to you at all, um, a number of years we in pastored, but he's he's been uh, in the traveling ministry, and, he, and he'll, he's not going to introduce himself this way. But he stands in the office of the prophet. Stone throwers will be with us, and Marla will be doing the worship for us, and uh, Sandy also will be ministering, I'm sure. And she stands there in, as a prophetess, and so we're, God's going to be speaking. He's going to be saying some things to you. Um, limited room in this place that we was able to rent. Nice room, uh, but we have very limited seating uh, that we know of. We might be 15, 20 chairs left. So you need to come and take your place. Amen. So that'll be next next Sunday or you know, next Saturday and Sunday, two o'clock. And uh, someone said, well, what about the ball games? Well, from what I saw, there ain't nothing to watch. <laughs> and so Anyway, there's something far more exciting going on. You know, we we singing that song suddenly makes you just think about it. When Jesus, uh, before he was ascended back on high, told disciples, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Amen. What was the promise of the Father? That he would send the Holy Spirit. Well, we know in Acts chapter one, he sent the Holy Spirit. Yes. And how did the Holy Spirit come? He comes suddenly. Nowhere are you ever instructed to wait again. People still waiting on whatever, waiting, waiting on a, a, you know, things to, to get better, waiting on a move of God, waiting for the glory to show, waiting, 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 waiting. But the scripture never tells you to wait ever again. The Holy Spirit's already here. So I want to just stir you up this morning. It'll work for you. But I, I, want, I, want, I want us to be prepared in our heart and our mind um, for the, this year and the balance of this year. I believe these meetings will catapult what God wants to say. Um, we, we didn't plan it this way. Uh, people, especially in prophetical ministries like they are, you know, uh, pay it probably some, some or more attention to some of these things than other places or other people. But um, next, next week we'll, we'll begin, you know, the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah. In God's way of thinking, that's the new year. And uh, he doesn't go by our calendar. God doesn't turn the page on January 1st. He turns the page next weekend. So I guarantee you that the prophets will begin to, they'll begin to speak and say things that God's saying about the new year coming in. So it just, it just so happened, it just so happened that this, this meeting was put together on the weekend of the beginning on the new calendar on God's calendar. Probably just a coincidence, right? But that's just the way that it worked out. So it's going to be really good. I, I want to just, uh, uh, I really felt in my, in my, in my heart when I was, things uh, it just, I could minister any way I wanted to. I could, we could just, we could do a teaching. We could do it. We, you know, we, we could add to, we could, well, here's another layer. Uh, no, nothing was coming. And I learned when nothing is coming, nothing is just, you know, if you ever ministered, you don't know talk about. I mean, it's all there, but nothing is like, mm. you ever looked at the menu somewhere and you're like, well, it all looks good, but I, you know, <clears throat> she's going to come back, you know, sometime today. And I've got, I've got to make a decision. So what you know when most people do and they can't make a decision, they look up somewhere and say, "What you gonna have?" And I say, "I don't know. What you gonna have?" Well, I don't really know. They'll ask Frank, "What you gonna have, Frank?" Well, I really don't know. What you gonna have? <clears throat> and, and all we're waiting on is for someone to make a decision. So these plans are put together because a decision was made, and the Lord's gonna honor that. <clears throat> but it's vitally important that we prepare ourselves because success always happens in life where preparation and opportunity come together. In other words, you, you, have to be, you have to see it and be prepared for the opportunity that's going to be presented to you. So I'm going to say some things that I uh, really felt like uh, I was supposed to say uh, a couple of years ago. And, and you should remember some of these things here. But the, there'll be a springboard that'll be us ready for the day that we're in and for next week as we start these meetings. If you remember this, this was something I was given a couple of years ago. We started off the new year with, and this is something I, I heard on the inside. It said, everything you want or need in life is already in your life. You might say, well, not me. Well, let me finish. Everything you want or need in life is already in your life. It's merely awaiting your recognition of it. 
You see, you, you, you never seize what you don't recognize. You can't, you can't access something that, that you can't see coming. Well, I know we've done this before, and I've used poster board paper and all this, but <clears throat> how many ever, you know, whether it's a kid or you're just on a long trip somewhere, I remember we used to do this as kids. We, we'd be on, a, on the interstate for hours, and we'd be traveling back and forth to Michigan to Alabama and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth till we, till we moved here. But you ever, been on, you, ever, you ever been on the interstate as a kid, you know, or just done this yourself when you had a long trip and you begin to count how many cars are, not how many cars are, how, how many of this you passed, or you just bought another car, a new car, and then you begin to see how many cars are just like yours or how many vehicles are just like yours on the interstate after you bought it. Well, if I was to, if I was to say, look here, we're gonna, we're gonna drive for 50 miles and I want you to count every, every white car that there is. And if you get the, you get the, you get the amount right, we're gonna give you $10,000. How many of you at least would try? You're gonna be the car in there, right? And when I got to the end of it, you might, you know, what if I changed it up and I said, well, how many red cars were there? And then what would you say? You say, well, I don't know because you told me to count the white cars. But you know, red cars passed you too. But you know why you didn't count them? You know why you don't know the answer? You're not looking for it. You're looking in another direction. And that's where the enemy will really watch work in your life is he, he wants to point you away from what you're supposed to be looking at because what you look at long enough, you'll look like. Amen. So he wants you to look at red when you're supposed to be looking at white. And he says, see the tree over here? See, it's good for eat, eating. And Eve said, yeah, she saw it was. Whoever said the tree is good for eating? Did, did, did God ever say this tree is good for eating? Matter of fact, he said, this tree right here gets you killed. That's what he said about that tree. You eat this tree, bye-bye. So then we have you looking in a whole other direction because it's not the path that you're supposed to be on. So, but everything that you want and need in this life is going to be merely waiting for your recognition of it. But you can't seize it until you recognize it. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity, Leonard Ravenhill said. In other words, there's, a, there's an open window for it. There's things that... Uh, physically, that's the way it works. Right? Naturally, in this world, it works that way. A lot of times, we have we have a, a time or an opportunity. Could, could be an age. Could be a, um, uh, purchasing something. Could be a sale on something. It's from this day to this day. And if you if you you know if you make the deal during that time, then you, then you, you you get to enjoy the savings. But the, but it's not ongoing. So the opportunity of the lifetime, but it has to be seized within the, within the lifetime of that opportunity. Robert Kiyosaki was one of his quotes. He said, most people have the opportunity of a lifetime flash right in front of them and they find out, they find out about it after everyone has got it right. In other words, it came, but you wasn't looking for it. You don't know how many red cars it was because you look in another direction. Well, we don't want to be in another direction. So when um, Wayne and I talked and we, we, uh, we was uh, talking on Facebook Live or however we talked that day, we talked about an hour and a half. He says, what are, what's, what's in your heart about these meetings? Or, or do they have a theme? Do they have a topic? To, whatever. And I said, well, we, we, are, we want to have a summit meeting. And he was excited to hear about a summit meeting. He said, I, 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 liked, I just like the, the thought process of that, that you're thinking summit. So let's talk about uh, just a moment. What, what is a summit meeting? You, you've heard the word summit. Um, uh, so summit means... Uh, the gathering together between heads of government. It's the highest point on a mountain, the highest level, the extreme point of anything. But a summit, generally what we think about it is either a company come together or nations coming together or leaders discussing ideas that change a company, a state, a government, or a nation. So, we don't want you just to come to participate and see what leaders do. We want, to bring, we want you to bring the leader within you. This is, this, is, this is the coming together of the eagles. I wish I'd have got a better idea. Thank you, Dennis. Praise God. This is the coming together of, of leaders for leadership purposes. You see, anyone who's ever ministered, and I, and I don't mean this as whatever because y'all are, y'all are rock solid. But, you know, when, when someone prepares themselves to minister, you know, whether it's traveling or pastoring or whatever it is, generally they've taken time. 
they've, they've prayed, they've sought God, they've studied, they've, they've, they've put usually a few days or hours into preparing for a service. Not, not that they couldn't give a lesson in, in 30 minutes. I could, I, I could fold this and whatever and I, I could say, what do y'all want to talk about? If it pertains to the Bible, and I think I, I think I could say something. I think it could. Now, if you want to get over revelations about the beast and the seven eyes and the ram's horn, you know, I may not go up to two hours on that, but I can go wild on it. But that's not my assignment. So there, there's, there's preparation that's gone for. Well, the disconnect happens, and, and I'm just telling you from my side, and I'll be telling you from, from their side next week. They're preparing and have been preparing, seeking God for weeks about this meeting they're going to have to leave their home and they're going to be jumping in an airplane and traveling 4,000 plus miles to come talk to you. That's the only reason they're coming is to come to Alabama. I could have had them in June. They would have been willing to come in June. Uh, they was coming to Louisiana to do some things. But it would, have, it would have been a whole lot of activity and I didn't want the wear and tear of, and, and we would be on the caboose end, which would, I'm sure would have been good. I said, when can you come back and just be you know, if you want to go somewhere after us, great. But when can you come and you're coming here? You say, well, you, you, know, you probably couldn't do that unless you got, you know, a thousand people or so. Well, Wynn doesn't have the qualifications on that. So if it's paid for, he didn't care whether he's talking to two people or 2,000. I mean, he has to get here. It didn't ask us to pay for nothing. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. When, when they prepare and they're, they're ready... I always likened it, you know, to be in an airport to where the pilot's ready. He's, you know, he's, the plane's been checked out. You got the radio tile up there. You got the guy who fueled the place. You got the, you know, someone's supposed to check out the mechanics of the airplane. They got a stock full of food, snacks, whatever. And then you just get on the, you know, you, you just get on the airplane. You bought your ticket and you find your seat. Your job's through. But a whole lot of people was involved to get that plane to get ready to take you to a place of, of, of your choosing, of your, uh, to, a, to a different destination. When a leader, especially a prophetic leader, who's a voice to nations, has prepared himself to speak to you, even though I don't care how anointed he is, I don't care what the message is given him, if there's no pull on it, if there's no desire for it, if, if there's not ready, readiness in your heart and your mind for it, it will not come forth in the fullness that it can come forth. It, it, just, it just doesn't happen that way. So I always, I always likened it, you know, when you get on the airplane and they, they get clearance and they, they begin to, you know, pull away from where you loaded and they're making their way to the runway. And, and they're just waiting, you know, for the air traffic controllers to tell them you're, you're now ready for takeoff. And so when you do that, they're ready to go. And when they take off, you know, do they just take off slow so they won't, you know, so they won't, you know, they, they want to bother you if you're, you know, if you have a problem with high speeds? No, they're going to they're gonna go down that, that runway wide open a few hundred miles down. That's my far favorite part of flying is taking off. I guess because I, I kind of like speed when I was a kid, and uh, which could get you in a whole lot of trouble at any age, but... Uh, but when you feel the G-forces of that jet taking off, that airplane taking off, and, and you're going down you know, on the ground, you can't, you, know, you can't feel it in the air. But when you're going a few hundred miles an hour you know, uh, on the runway, you can feel that, can't you? And it's just like, whatever. But then, you know, the stewardess comes on eventually, and she tells you, you know, how to buckle up and what we're going to do this and do that, and then wait to, you know, don't unbuckle. Don't get up for your seat. Don't do this until, you know, we, we get to a higher altitude. Then you remember the students comes up and she says, now, we may, you know, where we're flying today, you, you, you may experience some turbulence. And there's other, you know, turbulence is just the action in the air, the heat and the cold, the mix. You know, it's like thunder, it's lightning. But in aircraft, you know, they get, you know the, the, the law of lift has to supersede the law of gravity, right? So you have to have enough thrust on the wings and the wind on the wings and speed to get above gravity because gravity is the law, but so is, thr so is thrust. But they, but they begin to collide. But you can be 30,000 foot in there and there'll be what you might call a bad air pocket. Have you ever, ever been in a plane that did that? I mean, did you, I don't like it today. I never liked it, did you? And sometimes it goes, <clears throat> you look out there, it's like, is the wing still on? You feel like you broke off. <laughs> it's like, uh, 
They said, I think we lost both of them. <laughs> Buzz, the pastor used to say, Hail Mary, full of grace, give me a Cadillac. <laughs> That's what he used to say. Uh, so you look out and you see that, that, you know, they're there. But she tells you, she says, now leave your seatbelt on. She said, you may experience somewhat turbulence until we get to a more comfortable altitude. So God's wanting to take all of us up to a, another place, another level. And this is, this is what separates the leaders from those who don't want to go anywhere. They're just happy where they are. Not that you may experience turbulence. You will experience turbulence when you want to go to a higher altitude. But it'll be okay. Just stay buckled up in, 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 in Trinity Express. Father, Son, Holy Ghost Airlines. But, you, but there's going to be some experience. There's going to be you know, some turbulence because you're going to go what? To the other side. Now, now, either Jesus was having a bad day and he was out of the will of God, or Jesus listened to a misinformed meteorologist. I don't know what he did, but he told me, we're going to go to the other side. How many believe it was the will of God to go to the what? other side? But how many of on the way to the other side, things come up? What came up? It said a storm came up. You look up in several different you know, or, or translations, it said, of hurricane proportions. I mean, this wasn't a little like, well, we got a little, you know, a little wind, straight, straight line winds. No, we, we got hurricane proportions. Jesus puts people in a boat and sends them to the other side into a storm of hurricane proportions. <laughs> you say, Jesus, I thought you prayed. <laughs> you say, you thought, you just thought if you had faith, you wouldn't have no problems. No, that's why you have problems because you have faith. <laughs> I mean, you have something the devil wants to take away from you, your faith. That's why you're having all these problems. I know the people meant well when they told us, if you just give your life to Jesus, all your problems will be over. No, you're going to get brand new ones. Brand new ones. But Jesus said, but be of good cheer for I've overcome every, every one of them. Be of good cheer, right? Amen. Don't be sad. Amen. You got a whole church is ready to do the rapture. Hop. Let's practice the rapture every Sunday. Get me out of here. Get me out. I mean, I know the world looks like it's a mess. You know why? Because it is. <laughs> That's the reason why it looks like it is. It is an absolute mess. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says, as the days approach, he said, our days will be like the days of Noah. And, and people f focus on the days of Noah and they think about, you know, all the sin that was so rampant on the earth that God just had to say, we're going to start over. And he found, he said he found grace in Noah, right? Uh -huh. But what we focus on is the part where he says, as it was in those days, so it shall be in these days. So we think about, and of course it's true, when you think about all the complexities and the, and the situations and the problems and all the things that's going on in our world, even here in the United States, we've got to look beyond the, the United States because we're only 6% of the population. I mean, th this is your whole world, but th we are 6% of the population. That's all we are. But we control about 94% of the world's wealth. Mm. Did you hear what I said? 6% control 94% of the world's wealth. You know why? Because 6% think differently. Remember last week we talked about that. We, 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 there's only two animals in the Bible that God likened himself to. That was the eagle and the lion. And we talked about the lion. And we talked about, the, you know, the lion is different. They said, because he's, he's known as the king of the jungle. True? true? He is. There's scriptures that talks about that in the Bible. Uh, so God likens himself to the lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But when you do a little study on the lion, you find out he's fast. But he's not the fastest. The cheetah is much faster than he is. He's strong, but he's not the strongest. He's nowhere near the more intelligent. You can go down the whole list. We read it last week. You can actually watch it. And so what we found out is the lion is the king of the jungle, not because he's the fastest or the strongest. Or, you know, uh, it says uh, when I was reading this whole study on the thing, it says an elephant, when it sees a a herd or what we call a, you know, uh, not a herd, but the pride of lions. Elephants run. Elephants run. You, when you think about that, the size and the weight of an elephant into a lion, even though the lion's ferocious, I mean, but, but you're an elephant. I mean, you, you got tusk. Sucker, you're big. I mean, and you're running. It says when the elephant sees the pride of, of a lion come near him, he, he has fear and he runs. It says when a lion sees an elephant, he sees lunch. They two see one, one has a victim mentality and one has a victor mentality. 
So we got this we got this animal who's not the fastest nor the strongest. You know, he's he doesn't weigh the most. He's not the most intelligent. But everyone in the kingdom knows in the animal kingdom knows he's the king. But it's because of a mindset. It's because how he thinks. So you don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to have, have the, the greatest IQ. You didn't have to come from the right side of the tracks. When you got born again, Jesus blew up your tracks. Amen. You got a brand new DNA. Amen. Divine nature attributes is what you got. You got a brand new, you, you, you're not in mama, you're in Christ. You're not in church, you're in him. So we prepare ourselves to get ready for uh, things that's going to take place because I, I really do believe that th this meeting will begin to set things in your life in a, in a whole different perspective if you're ready for them. So you'll find out. You, you can see what will happen with anyone, but you can especially see people who have prepared themselves if we come ready. Come ready in your heart. So what, what do you mean be ready? Well, you're, uh, you know, when you're not hungry, it doesn't matter how good the food is. You say, well, why are they trustful? On purpose. Success doesn't always happen, you know, when it's the most convenient. We didn't take the meeting far away to make it inconvenient, but we have two churches come together. That's the, that's the middle ground. And so, um, you know, you say, well, I'm having to drive 60 miles. Well, wind's coming forward 200. Stone throwers are coming almost 800. Surely we'll get over it. Hey, amen. Praise the Lord. They have hotels and restaurants. Y'all say, y'all got to go there. Amen. So we're going to be there in hotels because we want need to to host the meeting. But uh, anyway, so I, I just want you to be ready. Be ready. And so we can have exactly what we're uh, believing for. Now, remember that everything happens, everything that you ever need in life is already there. It's just awaiting your recognition of it. God created you with potential. He created you with a great plan. He has purpose all about you. And, uh, and so it, it's, it's, it just re merely requires saying yes to him. I mean, once you say, know what to say yes to, then you know what to say no to, right? Now, um, if you think about this, uh, uh, you can go there if you want to, but Genesis 13, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 in the NIV. And uh, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot departed from him, he says, look around from where you are to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. He said, look at all the land that you see. He said, look around because all the land that you see, you and your offspring will enjoy this land forever. That's Genesis 13, 14 to 17. Time to get there, I'll be through. And I will make your children offspring like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth and the, of the land, for I'm giving it to you. So God is giving a promise uh, that will go from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because he had a covenant with Abraham. That covenant extended to, to what? Abraham, then to Isaac, and then to Jacob. You're in a covenant promise right now. We were singing about the blood. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb of the words of our testimony. That's a covenant promise. God keeps his covenant. Man doesn't always keep covenant. The scripture says that God's not a man that he should what? He should lie. He, Jeremiah says he will watch over his word in your life to perform the word, his word. The scripture says that God magnifies, I want you to know the importance of the word. The scripture says that God will magnify his word over what? Psalms 138. In other words, he'll watch over his word and he'll, he'll, he'll magnify his word over anything else. All you have to do is believe him. When you believe in him, you believe in his word. So the promise or, the, or possessing the promise, but is based on the provision of that covenant, the covenant speaking. Now, when you think about like the prodigal son, it says the, the father said to the brothers, he said uh, to the older son who got angry when the younger son came back. 
And he says, I can't even believe you're doing this. He said, this younger brother of mine, he left here. He took all, he took all the provisions. He took all of his inheritance and he went and squandered the whole thing. The whole thing. He says, and now he's come back with nothing. He said, and I've been here the whole time. I did my job. I did his job. I've never left you. And he says, and now you're going to take the, the greatest piece of meat we got, the, the greatest, you know, calf out here, and you're going to slaughter it and have a party. And I've never left you. How could you do that? And the father just looked at him, I'm sure, with sad eyes. He says, son, don't you understand? This is Jesus telling the story. He says, don't, don't you understand? This is the elder brother who's mad. He's not happy that his brothers come back. He's angry. He says, son, don't you understand that everything that I have belongs to you? Don't you understand that you could have had a party anytime you wanted to just because you're my son? You see what Jesus was teaching us? You see, the, the older son saw, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. This is how I performed. This is how I worked it. This is how, I, this is how faithful I've always been. But he hasn't always been faithful. But you see, the, the younger son was remorseful. The younger son had a, had a turn of heart. He had, a, he, he had a, a change of mind. He repented, which means he changed his mind. And it says when he began to come back, he wasn't, he wasn't seeking position anymore. He didn't feel like he was worthy of position. Because the Bible says when he came back, he said, well, I mean, you, you know, it says he came to himself. You, well, when you read the story, you know, where, you know where he was at geographically when he came to himself, the younger son. He was, he was in the pig pen eating the husk with the pig. A, a, a wealthy young man who'd wasted all his, all his inheritance. And, and he's so hungry that he's fighting pigs for the husk. And the Bible says, you know, he's down there going. <laughs> and he said, something ain't right about this. <laughs> That's a clue. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to ask him, please, would you give me, just, could I just be a servant in your house? See, God, God doesn't want servants. He wants sons. Amen. Sons will serve because that's the attitude of their heart. But God's not calling. And God is not calling. He is not calling in this covenant. He is not calling employees and he's not calling servants. He's calling sons. The scripture says the whole earth, the earth, the earth itself groans. It, it know, the earth knows the time that it is. Well, you know, that's true. I mean, just, I mean, I mean, the earth knows whether it can grow tomatoes in February or whether it can grow it in May or June. The, the, God, God put the ability for the earth to know that in the earth. The earth knows you were at the end. The Bible says the earth itself is groaning. Why? It says waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to come up and take their place in him to know who they are. The earth wants that. The father's heart was not focused on what the younger son did not do. He was aware of what he didn't do. He, aware that, he was aware that he was in sin. He, was, he, he, was, he, he understood that his younger son knew nothing about his love. He didn't know nothing about his mercy. He didn't know nothing about his compassion. He didn't know anything about righteousness. But the father was desiring for the son to come back. We know that because naturally in the story that Jesus tells, he said when the son was making his way back, he said the father was looking for him. The father was looking for him. Did you know after Adam sinned and we know that it says he sinned and then he ran and hid. That's the first time we ever have any insight into Adam running and hiding is after sin. See, sin will make you a coward. Sin will take you to a path that you don't want to go on and it'll cost you a whole lot more to stay there and it'll keep you there forever if it can. But the father was looking for the son. It says, and when the father saw the son who had wasted everything that he gave, his inheritance, it said the father ran to him. He ran to the son. He ran to the transgressor. He, he, he ran to the sinful one. He ran to the unrighteous one. He ran to the one who blew it all. He ran to the one, you know, who was so high up and now he was so far down. And so the father comes and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him and he hugged him. And the son began to weep and cry and say, you know, I'm not worthy. And the father says, shut up. 
And so he called, the father called for the servants. He says, bring, he says, father, if I could just be a servant, he says, I'm so hungry and I, I don't even have nowhere to, you know, get out of the weather. Oh, could I, could I just live in the service quarters? And he's like, no way. He told the servants to come, he says, bring the robe, bring the, you know, bring the sandals, bring the ring on his hands, which, which tells us who he is. And I don't care how far you've gone or how, how you missed it, or if it's the 17th thousand time that you missed it this week. You say, I might have out sinned. Well, you can't out sin grace. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But don't be content just to take that word and say, well, you know, I can't out sin grace, you know, because you know, that, that, that came up in Paul's time. They said, well, if, if grace abounds every time I sin, more than my sin, he said, wouldn't it be good if we just keep on sinning? Because more grace will come out. Paul said, you are stupid. <laughs> That's the West translation. Huh? Don't forget that grace is not just a word. It's not, it's not a theological term. The Bible said the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. So the spirit of grace is not there to cover things up. It's there to deliver you. To take you out and then to take you up. So the son who went from high, he went to low, but the father raised him up. I want us to see a new day that's coming that you're not going back to, you know, because sometimes people get to like, man, I, I'm just trying to get my life back to what it was, you know, five years ago or 20 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back to the good old days. Well, they might have been good, but, but, but you haven't seen God's, huh? That they, it might have been good then. I, on that, we, we, we don't want to knock that, but, but don't settle there. C yeah. Come on up and let's have a business meeting of summit leaders. Amen. You know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's just not summit talk to say, well, you know, you know, I don't know because, you know, we could get on it. You know, Walmart, because they raised the hourly raise to $14 an hour. Well, that's good. Praise the Lord. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad some making more money. Leaders aren't talking about that. Huh? They're not talking about working for somebody $14. They're talking about who owns the companies. How's the company going to expand? What is it we can go, do not, in, to, to not just our market, but get into the international market? See, I'm not talking about you working harder and longer. That's what you're already doing. You need to stop that. You need to find a way to act like the proprietor of a business. In other words, if you're the proprietor and you're doing all the work, it's, it's, something's wrong. You might start out that way and it may work that way. And, and I understand small business because I, I was in one for years. I understand all of it. I worked harder than anybody there because I had more, I had more to lose. You know, when everything that you have is on the line, like it was with us starting a business, you know, only thing that we lost if we ever quit was just everything. Because, you know, you, you just signed the house over, the land over, everything over. So anytime you wanted to quit, you could. They just take your house and stuff. So it made it real easy for us to make a decision. You, you, you want to go on a little bit further? You, you, you think we could, I think we'll go on another day. But that's, but that's not God's best by any, by, any stretch of by any stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, the Lord didn't even want us to, you know, if I can say this, you not get upset with me. The Lord doesn't want you to waste your prayers on needs. Don't, don't waste your faith and prayers on needs. Jesus tried to teach us that in Matthew 6. He says, he says, don't be like the Gentiles. He said, they're always going to seek what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear, how they're going to be clothed, you know, where they're going to live. He said, that's how Gentiles think. He said, don't think like that. He says, your father has, knows what you have needed before you even ask him. I mean, you're, you're not bringing something to the Lord. And he says, really? Wow. Well, let me check into that. What are we going to do, Lord? I don't know, but I'll, I'll get right on it. The Holy Spirit's never told you he don't know. He does know. He knows all things. So why would you waste your, your, your thinking time on needs? You ought to get it over into dreams and desires and goals. Huh? Well, just think about it. You ever, you ever thought about the complexity of the whole universe, which, it, which would be so beyond my ability to even convey it in any terms that would do it any kind of justice. But, you know, the, the earth is large to us, but it's pretty small. It's just a tiny little, I mean, it's smaller than the end of your finger when you compare it to billions of galaxies. How, how does someone who creates billions of galaxies and they're still discovering galaxies and, you know, are we the only life on any planet? Well, if, if there's more, it doesn't tell it in here that I know of, but if it is, it wouldn't be too hard to believe it, would it? I mean, who knows? It didn't mean to open up that can, but I'm saying, but, but if it is, Brother Copeland said, I asked him one time, I said, do you believe there's life on another planet? On planet? He said, I don't know, but if it is, I know they need a, I know they need a, you know, believers convention. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. whatever planet they're on. How do you have an intelligent conversation with someone who creates billions of galaxies? Think about it. I mean, I've always wondered, Lord, how, how are you satisfied with us in conversation? Because we, we don't really have one that's really, that could stimulate you that much. Well, you know, the Lord helped me get some new tires. And that's awesome. That's good. But I, I don't think that's uh, something that the Lord really spends much time thinking about, was tires, how to get tires. I've been there many times. Maybe you have. Believing for essentials, you know, for years. But let's, let, let's move on up. Huh? If, if we were to get together at any time, next week or any time, and just say, how can we, how can we see our community change? How can we see uh, a thousand people saved next year? Just, just us. And I don't, mean, I don't mean just investing into ministries that go out and missionaries. I'm talking about how can we reach the people around us, a minimum of a thousand people who today does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but tomorrow will when we engage this new plan with purpose and we're committed to it. See, now that's, that's the thought process. Unless you're already doing that. But I don't know anyone who's doing that right now. And so... That's a, that's a God idea. So if you're not ready for a God idea when it comes, then when there's not preparedness and opportunity to come together, there, there'll be no transaction. It, it'll just be a meeting. We can just say, woo, amen, Lord God, I wouldn't trust him. Had a better lunch. But if you're ready, if you're ready in your heart and your mind, if you're prepared to take off the restraints, if you're willing to at least say, Lord, I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything. He might say, well, you won't have to pretend. <laughs> I mean, I've done that before. So, Lord, I'm pretending I don't know nothing about this. He said, you won't have to pretend. <laughs> I was like, thank you. How many know in your heart at least there's got to be more than what you're seeing? There's got to be more than this. Huh? Praying the same prayer for you know, you, you pray in your 20s and now you're not in your 20s. And, you're, and we're still waiting. Still waiting. But you know, you can't say you're waiting because that wouldn't be a good faith confession. Really? You say, well, I'm just going to confess it in. Well, baby, if it ain't in, it ain't coming in. <laughs> it's already got to be in. See, Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. He's not the author and worker of your faith. He finished it. He's big on finishing. He is the finisher. This is, this is the finished message from the finisher himself. Amen. Most people never understood Paul's preaching because even the disciples didn't because the disciples walked with Jesus every day for those three and a half years. They knew Jesus naturally. They, they, they got to see the signs, wonders, and miracles. Paul may have known about it, but there's no record, there's no record that Paul ever met Jesus at, at all, naturally. But he did in the spirit. First time he met him for sure was on the road to Damascus. And that's one he never forgot. It, it changed him so much. You know, as Rodney Howard Brown said, he said, he said when he met Jesus, Saul of Tarsus, you know, he, just, he was just on the road. He, he, he had letters that, you know, he could go into synagogues. He could go into people's homes. And if you was a Christian, he could have you arrested and need to, he'd have you killed. He had that kind of power and authority, Saul of Tarsus did. But on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus. Himself personally, Jesus appeared to him, knocked him off of his horse, and uh, Saul asked a question. He he was so put out with what he was seeing. He's like, the light was so bright. He said he he said, "Who are you, Lord?" Well, he answered his own question, and the Lord changed his name. Rodney Howard Brown said he hit him so hard, knocked the S off his name, replaced it with a P, he knocked the S out of him. Praise the Lord, and named him Paul. Instead of Saul, y'all thought I said something else. No, and, and named him Paul. Paul got a brand new identity when he's born again. When you get a when you understand who you are in the spirit, you get a brand new identity. You're raised up to the place of actually who you are. You start living from your spirit instead of, out of your natural mind. Your flesh has had its had its way long enough. 
But I mean the flesh, I'm talking about your five senses. I'm talking about everything that opposes you and me is found in your five senses. Because most people, that's what's running the show. And when you get tired of it, see, you're not ever going to change anything until you get tired of it. Oh, you might be frustrated with it, but until you're tired of it, until you're willing to say that's enough, enough is enough, I'm not going to put up with any more. Well, the devil's going to test you on it. I'm just going to tell you this. He's not just going to give you a pass. He knows he's defeated too, but he, he don't think you know it too well. He's going to make you prove it to him. You know, all really comes down to with faith when you know who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. Sometimes there is a stand, but the Bible says, haven't done all, what? Stand, stand there. And you put on the whole armor of God. You have the weaponry of God. But we're, but we're not in a fight that hasn't been determined who won. It's already fought. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Why, why do you call it good? Because you already won. You just need someone like me or someone like you just come around and tell people you've already won. You say, well, I don't feel like I won. Don't look like I won. But I got all kinds of problems. Of course you do. Because you're in this natural world, natural life. There's demons all around you. But more than demons all around you, there's angels all around you. And it's it funny how we know all what the devil, people say, well, oh, the devil told me this, the devil told me that. They don't ever tell you what God told them. They're more demon possessed. They're more aware. I mean, people say, well, I don't even know. I mean, how do you hear from God? But, they, but you don't ever have to teach them how to, how to hear from the devil. They're telling me all the time, you know, the devil told me this, the devil said this, the devil said this. Well, what did God say? Did God say anything in there? Well, I don't really know if I can hear the voice of God. Well, who trained you to hear the, the devil's voice? They're like, well, I you know. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. Jesus said, my sheep shall know my voice and the voice of a stranger, they won't follow. He said that to people who weren't even Christians yet. Huh? Well, Romans 8, 14, he says, sons of God are led by the spirit of God. I know who's leading me. Do you know who's leading you? Holy Ghost is leading me. He's a good leader. Whew, he's a good leader. He has, no, he has one plan for you. That's total success. Total success. Hallelujah. So when we get together next week, I, I want you to walk in the room like, you know, where's my seat? Those chairs don't look like except for royalty. They're, they're not quite as good as these chairs, but they are padded. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want you to walk in there. Not, not with errors, not, not pride, not arrogancy, but, but knowing who you are. Man, we're getting together. We're going to have a summit. We're not having padded kick cherry picking. We're not going to this thing and have a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> we got a brand new keyboard. They ain't never been played yet, you know, in a meeting. So, you know, someone tries to play, have a little talk with Jesus. I'm going to, yeah, praise the Lord. There's nothing like that. No, we're, we're going to worship the Lord. Yes. We're going to believe God wants to have an exchange. It's, it's like it was put on the calendar and says, I want to talk to y'all. He said, want y'all come over here and I'll bring them from over here and I'll bring him from this country and I'll bring them uh, from this state and this state and this state and this state. And I want to talk to y'all about some things I have on my mind for you. <laughs> Woo. Praise, Praise God. God. You know, you, your whole life would radically change. Are you ready for such a time as that? Well, we say that we are, but are we? I mean, think about it. If you, if you were 75 years old, 75. No one in here is 75. Don't look at me. I'm not 75. <laughs> I'm way. I'm not even 70 yet. You say, how old are you? Well, you cut your grass, I'll cut mine. God, God showed up to Abraham or his name was Abram or Abram, however you want to pronounce it, at 75 years old. Do, do you know what Abraham did for a living when God showed up to him? He worked for his father. You know what his father did? He made idols. He carved out idols. Yeah, he had a little place on the interstate that, that, that they, they get off on their camels and they buy these little <laughs> trinket, you know, gods. <laughs> God picks some wild people. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he picks some weird, wild people. He just saw something in there. He said, boy, if a man sit there and carve out a piece of wood of God and thinks he's a God, he says, wait till he meets me. <laughs> I mean, he waited until he was 75 years old. And God says, I want you to leave your father's house. He says, sir, he said, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to go to a land that you're going to have an inheritance for. He says, where's it at? He says, I'll tell you when you need to know. He said, just get going. He said, okay. Could, could now, uh, you know, this happened, right? Don't make it a Bible story. He's a 75-year-old man working in the idol shop. And his dad's still alive. You know he's cutting his fingers all the time. Lord, son, aren't you tired of that? <laughs> they didn't even have band-aids back then like we got now for the boo-boos. And he just says, I want you to leave your father's house and come with me. 
He says, I'm going to give you an inheritance. He said, you're going to be the father of all the children of the earth when I get through with you. Huh? He didn't even tell him where he's going. Now, could you, could you, did, I mean, forget 75, but if you were 75, would you, would you leave home? You say, well, I'd like to think I would. I'm just going to tell you, most people would never do that. You say, well, this is in the modern world. Well, you ought to, it ought to be easier. Abraham lived in tents, not even know where he's going. I bet that, I bet that felt kind of foolish to say, well, Abraham, where are we going? I don't know. You need to pack everything for, you know, what, what kind of clothes we need to take? I mean, I don't know. Where do you think we're going to spend now? I don't know. He didn't know anything. He just knew to leave. The only thing that the Lord told him not to do is, he says, when you leave here, just don't go to Egypt. And where's the first place he went to? Egypt. The only thing he told him not to do, that's what he went and did, first thing. <laughs> then he got scared because Sarah was such a good looking woman at that age. You know, he was 75 and she was 65. He says, as pretty as my wife is, he said, we get an each piece of the kings. They're going to kill me for my wife to take her and put him, you know, his harem. He was right. So he asked Sarah, he says, now when they ask you, he says, I need you to, he says, I hate to ask you, but you need to lie. Tell him, tell him I'm your brother. So, so here's the father of your faith. He starts off in disobedience and he goes to Egypt. That's the only thing he was told not to do. And then he, then, then he has this conspiracy to tell him that you're my sister because I know they'll kill me for you. And they would have. Naturally speaking, they would have. So he goes there and she tells a lie for him. <clears throat> then, then, then here you, you got the king and he, he, he brings her in and he says, hey, this is your new home. And man, they doll her all up and she's 65 years old and got his attention. That's not too normal. <laughs> she didn't have no suction this, no talk, no pulls, no stretches, no puffs. I mean, it, it just, I mean, it, it was a 65, whatever. Now, I don't know what he looked like. He might look like a train wreck. I don't know what he looked like. But <laughs> the king heard in his chamber that night, he got real sick. I mean, he got real bad sick. And the Lord spoke to him. He says, uh, Abraham is my servant. He said, and that woman that you have in there, he, he says, that's his wife. And he's called by me. If you touch her, I'll kill you. Uh, so we, we have an evil king who can hear from God. Of course, the Lord probably picked up the volume a little bit. He said, touch your sucker, you're dead. <laughs> and so he got terrified. He got sick. So he called Abraham and said, well, why did you conspire to lie against me? He said, well, I was afraid you'd kill me and whatever. So to to get rid of Abraham and get the plague out of Egypt, he, he gathered up silver and gold and treasures and more camels. Read the story. More donkeys, you know, more chickens, more goats, more emus, more hemus. And, and uh, he says, and here, have some service. Go with you. Abraham left richer than he went, when he went uh, out of disobedience. That's pretty good for grace, isn't it? <laughs> Don't go, go where you're not supposed to go. Lie when you get there and leave wealthier. <laughs> Lord says, we, now we're, we're not saying this is how you live life, but you, could you see he was a work in progress? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you get over Romans chapter four and, and, and you know, it, boy, it's one of my favorite chapters. It says, Abraham believed God. He staggered not the promise of God. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully persuaded that what God said he was able to perform. Yeah, he was there, but in Genesis he wasn't. I like how the Lord don't bring up your past. Yeah. Romans 4, he, he, put, he put Abraham and Sarah in very good light. Oh, bless God, they fully persuaded. Well, I just believe God. I believe, you know, shake their head. But God. <laughs> Pastor Buzzy used to say, they say God. He said their head is as long as like a Shetland pony, saying it. <laughs> they believe God. But you read in Genesis <laughs> where God says, you're, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Isaac. And he's going to be the promised son. And through him will be the lineage that I'll bring my promise. They looked around at their age and said, we're going to have a son. Well, Sarah, never, Sarah never had children, never could have children. And they're, they're both kind of old. They're both kind of old. They're not 100, but they can see it from where they're standing. <laughs> this goes on 24 years. 24 years. You know, when they were born, when that child was born, he was 100 and she was 90. Wouldn't you say it's kind of old to have more children? 
I remember we were in our mid-30s, you know, with Christian, we thought we wouldn't plan on number four. And I was like, man, I'm 30-something years old. Don't, don't ever tell that story to Sarah Abraham when you get up there. Say, oh, well, yeah, I know just how you mean. He, he'll, he's going to laugh at you for eternity. <laughs> he's like, you're 30? 30? My gosh, you wouldn't even out of kindergarten yet. What, what are you talking about? You're not old. I asked the Lord one time, you know, I believe this is what he told me. He said, why did you wait till 75 years old to even call Abraham? He said, it took him that long for him to have any sense. And I said, oh. I said, well, you called me way before then. He said, don't overthink it. <laughs> he says, <laughs> it's like, okay. He said, I'm just more like running out of time now. It's like, oh, <laughs> thank you. I was like, I thought I had a lot more sense than Abraham. He said, yeah, don't overthink that one, son. He, just, he says, just, we, we're out of time. I can't wait on you. I can't wait on you to be 75. <laughs> so you think like the lion, he just thinks the elephant, he says, look at there. He says, boy, it's a bunch of lunch right there. Elephant just run as hard as he can go. Cheetah, a cheetah is scared, terrified of a lion, and a lion couldn't catch him on his best day with a, with a bad leg. I mean, if a hippo just laid over on iron, it'd be all over. It'd just be casserole, lion casserole. <laughs> but the lion knows he's a lot faster than that. He said, man, when that elephant's trying to turn around, I'm going to gnaw the three-quarter of his leg, you know, while we're going on the merry-go-round. You know what? It's just the way that he thinks. When we start off in the first worship song, what I do like we did down in I don't know what, when, when wind goes in his Bible, it's just turning the Bible song, so we ought to go, yeah! First time I preached at Cane Land, all those guys down there. Easiest place I ever preached till this day. You know why? Hunger was all in the room everywhere. Desperation was everywhere. They were losing their families. They were losing their homes. They were losing their children. Drugs and substance abuse had taken their whole life away. And now they're there because they're trying to be straight. Because they was out the gate asking and crying because they had needle marks in their arm. And they didn't think they'd go live another day. But someone like Mac, who lived where they lived, thought like they thought, knew how they thought. He took them in. He took them in. So when you go, he, so he says, this is your answer. That's what he taught them. So anyone who ever come ministers down at Caneland, I'm sure they still do it today. They start a Bible lesson. So when I turn your Bible, so-and-so, they go, yay! Realize it's like they scared me out of my skin. <laughs> then, then when you finish your lesson, you say, well, let's be finished today. They'll go, oh. I'm thinking, they don't ever do it in my church. <laughs> They're like, about time. <laughs> Praise God. So we're having a summit meeting. Y'all going to come? The greatest threat to being all that you could be is satisfaction with who you are. Can I say it again? The greatest threat to being all that you could be is satisfaction with who you are today. It's called complacency. See, the enemy of great is good. And the enemy of good is just okay. And the enemy of okay is called double-mindedness. A double-minded man shall not what? Receive anything from the Lord. The Lord will speak to you this week and he'll speak to you in the services to come. And you need to take heed to his word. Remember this, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, where the word of a king is, there's power. The king has no fear. He is fearless like a lion. Proverbs 30, Proverbs 30, 30 says, the lion is the strongest among the beasts and turns not away from anyone. Hmm. Proverbs 28 once says, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And you see how the Lord uses the lion over and over and over again. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're going to, I'll finish this right here. History reveals that individuals who impact their generation and affect their world around them were not especially gifted or educated. They were not famous. They didn't start famous. No one was seeking them out. Who were they? They were ordinary people who because of adversity, because of challenges, perhaps desperate or in need of a miracle, they cried out to God like in Psalms 34 and it says the righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord knows your situation. The Holy Spirit knows everything about you. Before you got to this day, he knew what this was going to look like. He's already filtered everything into your life. 
And you look when you read the scripture in, in Corinthians where Paul talks about no temptation is taking you with such as common to man. You read that in the Passage Translation, it says the Lord filters out everything. He looks at the whole situation and he, he filters it out. In other words, that verse is one of the verses that gets misquoted as much as about anything that I've ever, ever heard. Things that's just not in the Bible. You know, there's things that people say that's just not in the Bible. They might be good, might be good habits, might be good moral thinking, but it's not really in the scripture. And one of them is, is this, God won't put on you more than you can stand. That is not a scripture. The Lord has not put her on her. He's the Lord is the taker offer. See the anointing lifts. It doesn't put on. Paul said, put off the old man so that you can put on the new man. But you know what most Christians do? They put the new man on top of the old man. They don't get rid of the old man. So then they have two minds. And that's why they have double mindedness. They didn't get rid of the old thinking. They just tried to put the new on top of the old. A dentist will never put a cavity, never put a filling over a cavity. He goes in there and drills it out. Then he, you know, he makes the, the filling what it has to be to take the place of where the tooth was. They don't, they don't put a cap over a diseased tooth. Why would a Christian put an old, a new life on top of an old one? Why would the Lord take your old thinking and just try to cap it off with some better thinking? No, he should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You could say the removing of your mind. <laughs> I mean, if you could do it, that's probably what needs to happen. Just remove it. Abraham had to leave his father's house not knowing where he was going. He is the father of your faith. And the same promises that he made to Abraham, he's made to you. Everything that he has, everything that you're ever going to need in life has already been prepared. It's just a, it's merely waiting your recognition of it. How many red cars did you pass on the way to church? You say, I don't know. I don't know either. You know why? We weren't looking for red cars, were we? What are you looking for? Because what you look for, you'll find. And what you look at long enough, you look like. You're made in the image and the likeness of God. If you interpret your life based on what you are experiencing in your life and you make that the definition of how your life's going to work, that's exactly how it's going to work. But the Bible says look into the mirror, the Word of God, and behold that image. For in the Word you behold the man that you are. James says, but what happens is they become forgetful hearers. They look and they see, but then they walk away. They don't look back and then they forget he says, and then they deceive their own self. It didn't say the pastor deceived them. It didn't say their parents deceived them. It didn't say their spouse deceived them. Paul or James said, when you look into the mirror, which is the word of God, he said, this is the perfect law of liberty. He said, you're supposed to look into the word and see who you are. You don't get the identity from the world. The, the world doesn't have a clue who you are. They don't even know if they're a male or female. How can the world tell you who they are when they don't even know what their sexual origin is? I mean, you're thinking, how could we even have a conversation about that? Must this be in those days? That's why when I walked into the bank, you know, I was telling you a few months ago, and all this, was, uh, I mean, everyone was talking about it. I went in there with my deposit, and she started zipping out. I said, now, before you open that deposit, I want you to know this. I identify myself as a millionaire. And she said, do what? I said, I identify myself as a millionaire on my church account. And she looked at it, and she said, well, not today. You know what she was going on? Just facts. <laughs> she says, well, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, but, but I identify myself. She said, that doesn't work here. <laughs> you can be that. It's, it's available. We'll protect it. We'll, we'll, we'll grow your investment. But you, but you have to be that. Well, what is it that you already be that you haven't decided that you be that yet? You are the exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think of God, according to the power that worketh where? In you. But is it working in you? So you'll have to change, we'll have to all change our mind about some things. Everyone has a place where they can go up to. But you have to purpose in your heart to do it. So do what you need to do to be necessary, which is necessary to make those changes. And so come, I would suggest you have something to write with, have something that you can write on, because not only will things be said that you need to remember, now these, these, these meetings will be ongoing, you know, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be able to watch them on YouTube and, and you'll be able to watch them on um, uh, Facebook. Also, there are, as you know, if you go to our website, you can, every service now, you can get a, a written transcript of everything that's said. So that helps sometimes, you know, because you can't remember everything that's said. Well, you can just, just go to, you know, 
GLC, Grace Life Church, Jemison, and you, you'll find a place to have a transcript. You know, it takes a little bit past this service to get to it, but I mean, just you can go there, but you can get a written transcript. Sometimes it misses a few words because it's trying to get, you know, out Alabama, lower Alabama, from some of the people who speak here, it's hard to know what to say sometimes. And uh, it's trying to translate in. Uh, it's, it's an AI program. And uh, that's good and bad. But anyway, we're going we're to go with the good part. So we won't see you here this week, but we look forward to seeing you Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Amen. Have a blessed day.